Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Stop, stop, stop. Just before this big interview begins... I need to tell you about a new book being published by Backpage, the good guys, the made guys, who published my two books on Barca and Spain, and who also, thank the Lord for them, produced this podcast. Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall, is in all good bookstores. What does that mean to you? Well, Grant Wall sits down with superstars such as Manuel Neuer, Vincent Company, and Xabi Alonso. And thanks to extensive interviews with players in every key position on and off the pitch, he explains the technical and tactical revolution which has transformed modern football. This book is packed with insights that only those at the very top of the sport can offer. In the words of my good friend Gabriel Marcotti, Grant Wall is an expert storyteller who has managed to get some of the best in the world to share the secrets of their trade. So... Big interview listeners, that's your World Cup reading sorted. Hello there big interview listeners, my name is Chris and I'm a producer on the show. You're about to listen to an extract from the big interview with David Weir. In this clip, David describes some of the big characters he played alongside at Everton, beginning with two shrinking violets, Duncan Ferguson and Thomas Gravison. You'll also hear about other top toffees, Kevin Colban, a former guest on the show, Tim Cahill and Mikel Arteta, before David reveals what it was like to be on the wrong side of Archie Knox, the bad cop to Walter Smith's fellow bad cop. This episode is available in full and ad-free at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Sign up now and you will unlock our full archive of big interviews with the likes of Colban, Celeste Ferdinand and Troy Deeney, while you'll also be helping us to continue producing the content you love. And now... Here's Graham. Your team was full of pretty good characters. Wouldn't you have played against Duncan Ferguson very early in your Scottish career? Yeah. For Fogget. So take me from the Duncan Ferguson then to the Duncan Ferguson that you encountered at Everton. Well, my debut was against Duncan for Falkirk. So he was playing for Dundee United, my debut um, against um, Dundee United that brought Vogue. So that was my first introduction to Scottish football, playing against Duncan. And still, I still speak to Duncan now, still see him now and again. And you know, he talks about that, how the 
I was this fat kid with really small shorts playing the game against him and he was being watched by Bayern Munich in that game and that's where he was going. So he basically made my career. So that's kind of his take on it. How was so, it for you up close and personal? A handful. You know, he is... He's a really good footballer, I think. He's a top footballer. He's got, he can do everything or he could do everything, yeah. you know, in terms of he could run. His technique was fantastic. He could finish. He could head it, you know, left and right foot aggressive you know if you wanted to have a fight to have a fight if you wanted to play you could play so he genuinely had everything Duncan maybe not quite the luck to enable his body to do what he wanted to mm-hmm. do as often as he would have liked but attribute wise he was at the top level and I didn't play against him a lot because he was at Everton and then when we were playing against him or when Everton were playing against him when he was at Newcastle I don't think it was his favourite game so I don't think he was ever at his best when we're playing against him at Newcastle, which was far and few and far between. So he was a great teammate to have. He wasn't playing regularly or playing week in, week out, but he was a fantastic weapon. And he always seemed to raise his game mm. in the bigger games. So if it was Manchester United or it was Liverpool, and it was a game where he felt he had to perform or you know, the, the spotlight was on him, he raised his game, and he was unplayable in some, some of those games. That's a good phrase, I think that's right. Yeah. I think there are a few players across my time watching football where you're like, well, on that form, that guy, and, and not just the quality forwards who've got brilliance, David Veer, for example, Raul, whatever. Mm-hmm. the guys who've got that talent, and, and they'll, they'll beast you as well. Yeah. That's a frightening sight to see, and across my, whatever, nearly 30 years now reporting football Duncan would be up there with the people who boy it, it, some centre-halves must have just bricked it absolutely bricked you it you could see it you could, you could actually you know visually see the lads shrinking in terms of what they were going to face and you saw it in the dressing room before the game with Duncan you could see you know if he was captain he acted like a captain he'd be in the dressing room be talking to people and it would gradually build you know you could feel the actual you know his demeanour getting into the dressing room he was getting more and more excited for the game he was building it up so by the time you actually walked out the tunnel or walked out the dressing room you were at, you were at fever pitch you thought you were going to war because he'd actually created such an environment in the dressing room it, wasn't, it didn't happen a lot but you could just tell when he was in the mood or when mm-hmm. he was at the stage where he was ready to perform and you could see it happening and by the time you know, he got on the pitch he was just ready to unleash on whoever was unfortunate enough to be playing against them on that it's day. It's a great sight. It's what football's supposed to be. It's a great, great yeah. sight. Rules, rules have changed. I'm not sure yeah. that even a, a you know a fully fit Duncan Ferguson would have a, as much profit today. No. And I, I worry a little bit about that. You know, I yeah. think that the game's it's not necessarily going soft, but when keepers are overprotected, I'd love there to be you know six or seven Duncan Fergusons scattered across Europe. Yeah. But he's still the thing about it. Duncan will always be remembered, I think, for his physicality and aggression, and you know what he brought. But technically, he could have handled it as well. That was the thing because he was mm. such a good footballer. He was a very good player. Yeah, let's go across other characters, and, and you butt in and take me to players I haven't thinking of. But because I like him very much, and I th- again, I think he was a little bit underestimated. Kev Coban has been a guest on our yeah. season. He's turned into a right good yeah. analyzer, commentator. He's got a bright brain. Real character of a man yeah. too. Either him, the guy, the dressing room, the training ground, the player. Tell us about playing with Kev Coban. Just a, just a really good fella. Just a genuinely, like hard working, honest, you know, team player who would always put the team before himself. You know, and as you say, he made a really good career as a broadcaster. I love listening to him, and 
you know, he generally has got a good insight on the game mm. in terms of he cares about it, he thinks about it, and he can explain it. But he's as a teammate, he was exactly the same. He cared, you know, he wanted to win. He was he was very aggressive, but he was also you know very honest in, in the things he did, and that that was that successful Everton team. You know, you could look at each and every individual and probably say probably need a little bit better than that. You know, myself included. But when you had you know Kevin Cobans, you had Lee Carsleys, you had. Steve Watsons, you had Alan Stubbs, you had um, Tim Cahill was talented undoubtedly, Artetas and people like that. But when you had that solid base of these sort of solid Nigel Martin, you know, good solid citizens who, you know, would turn up week in, week out, were responsible for themselves but for others as well. And Kev's probably typical of that, you know, mm. he was a real, a really good solid professional who, you know, was a six at worst and a, you know, an eight or a nine at best. It's valuable. There's one that, that needs to be mentioned because it looked, and again you might dispel this myth, it looked as if his move midway through a very good season changed things. Tommy Gravison, yeah. um, apparently now he owns the world or yeah. runs Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I don't quite know what it is. Um, so he's obviously changed from the mild, unassuming character he was in your edition. I'm told he was absolutely crackers. He was. Well, and he was a Walter Nazi signing. You know, Thomas Gravison came in um, signed by Walter and Archie and he was a complete maverick, you know, in terms of both as a person, you know, on and off the pitch. He was, you know, if you got him at the wrong time, you couldn't speak to him. He was just, the barriers were up and he was, he just couldn't communicate. But when he was at his best, he was unplayable. He was genuinely, you know, day in, day out in training, in the possession games, the boxes, he was the tidiest, you know, best player in terms of keeping the ball that I've, I'd played with, you know, just the actual technical qualities he had and the, the concentration that when he was on it to actually do the right things time after time was, was incredible. And he was a big part of that team. That team which was, you know, the complete opposite of that. He was almost like the you know, the the difference to to actually give us the opportunity to achieve what we achieved because he, the others were probably incapable of it. He he wasn't the most usual water player in that he was somebody who Positionally, maybe he wasn't so disciplined, yeah. but he could do clever little things to open up games. Yeah, he was. He was very frustrating, as in my Until position, if he was here. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of what you'd want from a midfielder. Tommy, he's Tommy, like, where are you? Where are you going? Get back. But Lee Carsley was the opposite, so there was a nice balance in there in terms of how the team was, and Tommy would always do something in the game that made you realise, well, it's worthwhile having him. I'll give him that long leash. Exactly. Yeah. So it was. The, you know, it's a small price to pay on a lot of occasions, although, you know, very, very frustrating in terms of, you know, where where he where he isn't where you expect him to be a lot of the times. What about the the the, the other side of his character? Was he a, a Gaza style letting off fireworks? And yeah, he was. He was, and... he was. He's you know, lots of stories about Tommy. You know, I played against him at, in Glasgow as well. You know, Rangers v Celtic, but playing with him in Everton and and some of the games. And off the pitch, an absolute loose cannon. You know, terrorising the staff. So, such a strong boy, just pick up staff, you know, hover them in a lock of some sort, and they just couldn't move. And, you know, just putting people in positions they shouldn't be in and, you know, <laughs> making people realise how sort of in charge he was going to be if they wanted it. So he was a real complex character and a real, like, loose cannon in terms of day in, day out. Some days you couldn't actually get a message across to him because... He wasn't in the mood, and then some days he'd be the most engaging, likable, funny guy that you've ever seen. And 
other days he'd be firing fireworks across the training ground at Fizzy's jogging around the pitch and you know he'd he was just absolutely nuts, but again, a really good footballer, a really talented footballer who, you know, moved to Real Madrid from Everton, mm. which, you know, not a lot of people would make that move. So tell me about the, the I mean, Arteta you've mentioned, you've played, I mean, just right good quality, if I'm not wrong, Arteta must have been one of the, one of the high quality yeah. organisers, thinkers in terms of his midfield role that, that you played with. He'd been player of the foreign player of the year in League One. I know he'd done quite well for Big Ali at, uh, at Rangers as well, but when he comes in, the things I want to ask you, what made him stand out? And if he's to go on and manage, would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me because, you know, he's obviously got such a great understanding of the game and when he played for Everton, a lot of the time, definitely initially played sort of off the side more. So he'd, he'd have to probably think he's a central midfield player, which he, he was and is. But, you know, David Moyes used him slightly differently, playing off the side. And he had to make himself really important in that role. And he did. You know, he understands the game. He can, you know, he understands players he's playing around. And he, he always impacted the game. He always created something, made something happen and, and made the game in general, look easy. In the Premier League, were there lots of midfielders who like to keep the ball like him or be careful with the ball like him? I guess you could immediately look at schools and, mm. and whatever, but across the Premier League in midfields, wasn't there a little bit more rashness about let's have a go at something yeah. rather than keep and move and turn? And there was. It was very much about, you know, midfielders. You're either a defensive midfielder or an attacking midfielder. You know, that seemed to be the case. So you'd have the... You know, the, the sitters, the Lee Carsleys, the ones who would sit and protect the back four nine, you'd have the ones, you know, Lampard obviously, you know, of that level who'd go and score 15, 20 goals a season, post goals and people like that who were great passers. So there was a real mix of real good quality players ac- across, you know, lots and lots of good teams, Vieira and people like that, you know, mm. top, top players. So it, it seemed to be that, you know, there was loads of different attributes wrapped, wrapped up in and all these different people and just different challenges. Scholes was, in my experience, was just a different level in terms of, you know, what he could do. And he could do probably everything, you know, at different stages of career and at his best, probably do all of it at the same time. He was just, he could pass, he could score, he could, you know, he could run the game, he could dictate the tempo of the game and he could really, you know, just... Pass you to death when he wanted to. As a passionate Scott who wore the jersey so many times, did you have a laugh that England didn't know what to do with him? When you're, you're watching this week in, week out, or having I mean, to go up against them, and, <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, we're not sure what to do with this, bro. Yeah, well, we, to be honest, we Scotland played England in the playoff for, yeah. it would have been Euro 2000, and yeah. he played the game at hand and he scored yeah. two goals. And he knew what to do, they knew what to do on that day, so. Um, I just, I was in awe of him. I just thought he was a fantastic player. You know, I just thought, as a midfield player, as a de- me being a defender, he was the, the hardest player to play against. The really striker. so? Yeah. Definitely. Also, I mean, is it also to do with which spaces he would occupy? He seemed to pop up quite a lot yeah. because he could take it easily and give it to the right player quickly. He seemed to be quite hard to pin down, I thought. He was. And he, and he just had, a, as I said, he could do it all. He could pass short, he could pass long, he would know when to pass, he'd always put the ball where you didn't want the ball to be, he'd always be in a position where you had the decision to make, should I go, should I stay, so... That's interesting, so his brain is as good as his technique? I thought it was, yeah, I thought just the questions they asked you, and that was always, in my position, that was always my worry, you know, should I go, 
will it go? Should I stay? And when you get caught in between, invariably, that's when you end up in trouble. So as you gamble, if you're not sure because you haven't got enough information, did you have a preferred choice, stay or go? I'd always stay. Yeah, I'd always stay, especially... Wait and see what... Wait and just let the situation unfold and see if there's still something I can do. And the best players, the Sheringhams, the Scholesies, the... Robbie Keane's and that, they'd always try and get you to get in positions they weren't comfortable with or dragging you into positions whereby you didn't want to go. And that, it was a game of cat and mouse all the time. That, or that's how I feel. What an enjoyable way to spend your life. <laughs> Literally a game of cat and mouse, but they're going, like, have a nibble, have it, I'm gone. And, and you're like, no, 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 no. And there was no, you know, you know, there's no recovery. There's always sweetness and light with uh, Walter Narchi. It was just, a, again, another experience. Because <laughs> Walter and Archie were, you know, bad cop, bad cop at times. You know, they generally were, you know, you were left in no uncertain terms what was required. Well, Archie went from the most mild-mannered, entertaining, best of company in pre-season on his trips to Choco, where, where he obviously loved. Choco in Italy. It's beautiful countryside, and, you know, Archie's at his best, totally engaged and totally buying into the working you really hard, but... You know, also good times and good laughs, and then the game starting, the trouble starting, and then all of a sudden Archie's got you pinned up against the wall, and you're the worst player that's ever played forever, and you'll never play again. And you know that's kind of how how it went, the extremes and the emotions that were involved. So it was, you know, a real learning experience and a real tough league at the time. You know, mm. it's not that it didn't have the circus surrounding it the Premier League had at the time, but every no. every team you played against had. Good centre forwards, two good centre forwards, mm. good partnerships, and you know every game was a test. It was a real good quality league and a real test in terms of professional. So yeah, that's a your centre back, predominantly yeah. centre yeah. back. So which tests did you hate, and which tests did you go? I really love playing these guys. This guy, that yeah. guy, that pair. I always loved playing. You know, like for me, going to Old Trafford, going to Anfield, going to Highbury as it was at the time, White Hart Lane, which is a great stadium, mm-hmm. one of my favourite stadiums, probably only good as that I like more. So getting to go to these stadiums, that I, I enjoyed all that, but then you're playing against York and Cole, you're playing against Sheringham, you're playing against Robbie Keane, you're playing against Henri, obviously at different stages in mm-hmm. the league, but Dion Dublin, you know, Alan Shearer, Les Ferdinand, you know, you're playing against, every week you're playing against a top striker or a top strike partnership. And, you know, the ones I found particularly difficult, mm-hmm. you know, were the, the really tall ones. Everybody always thinks, oh, he's tall, he's a bit slow, he maybe not like the small, quick ones. I didn't mind that. It was the ones, it was the Canuties and the, even the one shot. Canuties, a very good player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a very, very yeah. good footballer. And I found those really difficult. And you know him, obviously. And, but he wasn't considered to be nope. the best of the best in the league. And Paolo Wanchop was the same. He was a fantastic player and a real handful. So I'm in the German World Cup, yeah. scoring a bosker of a goal as the Allianz Arena was inaugurated um, Costa Rica, Germany, and oh, his pace, and he was relatively powerful, nice technical. Yeah. Well, that was a different challenge every week, but those were, I felt personally, were the hardest, but, you know, playing against Leeds and playing against Robbie Keane or Viduka or Hasselbank or whoever it may be at that time, so every challenge was different and, and brought, you know, different problems. I need to tell you about a new book being published by Backpage, the good guys who produce this podcast. Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall, is in all good bookstores. What does that mean to you? Well, Grant Wall sits down with superstars such as Manuel Neuer, 
Vincent Company and Xabi Alonso. And thanks to extensive interviews with players in every key position on and off the pitch, he explains the technical and tactical revolution which has transformed modern football. This book is packed with insights that only those at the very top of the sport can offer. In the words of my good friend Gabriel Marcotti, Grant Wall is an expert storyteller who has managed to get some of the best in the world to share the secrets of their trade. So, big interview listeners, that's your World Cup reading sorted. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.